0: Life happens with Pinelo no Mudine.
1: All right, so there is a protest that is looming. It's called One Million Seats uh, on the Street Protest, and it's going to be happening this week. Um, really, these are um, restaurants that have come together and are pleading for our attention. Wendy Albert is a CEO of Restaurant Association of South Africa. She joins us now on the line. Wendy, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us this afternoon. Good afternoon. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for inviting us. Talk to us about the one million uh, seats on the street protest that's looming this week. What is it?
2: Absolutely. You know, um, it's been 20 weeks of complete and utter decimation for the industry. And it's been very, very challenging times. And restaurants certainly have um, extended themselves at every single turn to really, really try their level best to meet the financial restrictions that's been placed on them to trade through it. And unfortunately, after 20 weeks, there simply is no choice. And we feel that, you know, the last five weeks have really shown an outline to us the inability for government to consult with us and to communicate with us in an effective way to save the industry. So we um, certainly feel that, you know, the letter that we wrote to um, the Department of Trade and Industry was fallen on complete and utter death ears. I mean, Minister Patel on the 11th hour after seven days finally responded telling us to go back to Minister Cocter, who at this point in time hasn't even had the courtesy to acknowledge the letter, never mind respond to it. Let's talk about the content of that letter. What were you pleading for? So we certainly at the um, five weeks ago, we had been in consultation with the Minister of Tourism. We had spoken about reopening the industry for sit-down. You know, five weeks ago, we certainly weren't in the way that we announced. I know that a lot of consumers are going to be saying, but you know, are we not concerned about people's lives? We certainly are. Um, and we are talking five weeks ago, if they had given us the urgent attention, we would have mobilized the consumer, we would have brought consumer confidence back into our restaurants, and we certainly would have outlined that they could have had a safe and good experience within our establishment.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what, so what now, In the plans that you have, I mean, some, talk to us about some of the proposals that you had already put together as, as an industry to, to safeguard people's lives, essentially.
2: You know, we've got uh, some of the best protocols in the world. I mean, health and safety is a massive priority for, for us. We've always been renowned for having high standards and keeping people and food safety and washing hands and all the good things that go with it. Even long before the lockdown, we were the industry that moved quickly and uh, showed the rest of the world how to practice uh, the good protocols that we put out to government. So whilst we've got no restrictions, obviously, or limited restrictions with consultation with Minister Mamaloko, you can see that we did open with safe with, uh, social distancing, which was one of the things that we certainly outlined, which we needed to move forward in saving the restaurants. And in the number 50, simply wouldn't have sufficed for us uh, to try and make any financial sense of it. But what? included in that proposal was the, um, the availability to sell alcohol within the restaurants. And we had outlined the very many reasons why we should have been afforded the opportunity to do that. So the letter that we had sent to Patel's office was really trying to get the risk mitigation and the scientific evidence to find the research that was done within the restaurant sector that banned us from having alcohol within our establishment. And then we were pushed from his office back to, um, obviously, Cocteau.
1: With the current status quo now, I mean, now alcohol uh, sale is banned, so we know that now. I know that when you sent that letter, uh, it wasn't quite the case. Am am I correct? When, When that letter was penned? Absolutely, you know, it's five weeks ago, so I mean, five weeks, we can
2: imagine, you know, we needed that to outline the financial capabilities of restaurants, and we showed them all the financial models and how important, you know, alcohol is part of our business, you know, and we said to them, you don't go into a shop, uh, a supermarket and say to people they can't use a trolley or or a basket. You don't go to a hairdresser and say, sorry, you can't sit down in a hairdressing seat. You know, it just made no sense for us to continue selling alcohol. As a bottle store, but not being able to serve it to our customers in a safe way.
1: Mm. So, so, so that's exactly to my point. Knowing just how much alcohol um, forms part of this business the business model that you have. Now that we know that it has been banned, the sale of alcohol has been banned. Would restaurants still survive this era? Especially with the capacities that you've been asked to reduce. Well, you know, the, the three blow was really one no
2: alcohol. Mm. The second blow was then the reintroduction of. A- which again we've asked. You know, Sorry, Wendy, just repeat that we lost you there for a second. The second was? Okay, the, three, the three aspects that we have spoken to um, government about, one, you know, which hit us hard last Sunday, was the announcement one of absolutely no alcohol sales, so that came with a complete blow in the dark. The second was the curfew, which affects the dinner trade and obviously affects our takeaway and delivery side of the business. So again, we've got complete restrictions to try and trade through, and it simply made no financial sense for many restaurants uh. To continue trading, and they've taken to closing their doors sure. and permanently retrenching hundreds and thousands of staff. You know, and so we asked that, and we also asked government. We said, please give us the research and give us the scientific evidence that shows that after nine o'clock at night, there's a higher risk of catching COVID than what there is at nine o'clock in the morning. And we still haven't been able to get these these the research documents on this, uh, mitigated
1: risk. Mm. Wendy would you give us a sense of just uh, you know as maybe by by a show of, of percentages just how many of your restaurant members have had to shut down? So we we the,
2: the the brief survey that we ran showed that 70 percent of restaurants so 30 percent of restaurants have closed permanently they will never reopen. They're Did you say seven zero? 30 percent. 30 percent okay. And 70% have closed temporarily, okay. of which 50% of the 70% are unsure if they will actually be able to reopen their doors. Hmm. And that depends on whether or not we get relief from government, whether we get compensation, whether we get the, the banks to be able to lift the red flag to say that we high risk, whether we get the landlords to assist us with the um, relaxation on the leases, and most importantly, whether or not we can reopen with the liquor trading, and no restrictions, as well as the no curfews. So once we're through the wave, I mean, there's all these... Oh, and most importantly, there's insurance companies, too, UIs. So there's all these considerations. So we could stand to lose completely, 70% of the restaurant industry completely. But 50% of what's left of the 70% is touch and go, whether we'll ever save those restaurants. But what it has resulted in is over 400,000 retrenchments.
1: So and the, 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 the ones... I'm sorry, Wendy, we just keep uh, losing a connection there. The ones that are uncertain, w- w- I almost want to ask, what is it that they would require to be certain to stay in business? What, what kind of intervention would be required? Let's start with biz- with, 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 with government for, for a minute, and then we'll go to the others. Well, one is that
2: the sensitivity of a finan- the financial model on restaurants is really what makes it so complex. Yeah. So what we have is we have restaurants that are in substantial amounts of debt and they do not have a cash flow to move through. So if there's sufficient cash flow that comes in, and we're able to mobilize and get the consumer support and indicate to the consumer that it's now safe experience to come back into restaurants, one, we've now got the support of the consumer. Two, we've got relaxation of the demand of the high and very big leases that we currently have to go back to. Three, is that restaurants need to be able to get some form of capital income coming in in order to save those businesses. So the banks need to relax their lending requirements and make it feasible to either give them some kind of funding, which brings cash flow to restart those businesses. And then the next part is we obviously need staff to be on UIF and to be on tours in order to, to keep our talent within the industry. And the insurances, whether, and I think at least I would say 60% of the 50% are relying on getting the insurance payout. Because that really is business interruption that has been there to support those businesses and we pay the luxury of those premiums.
1: Hmm. Let's let's go to a few of the things that you've spoken about. So you're saying that um, you know, the the banks would need to be a bit more lenient and, and stop red red flagging you as, as too risky a business. The truth of the matter is that even if they did, there is just no certainty. If 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 you're required to I suppose what the capacity is, what, 50% of, of what would have been ordinarily the case? If, if, if you've got the kind of numbers that are sitting at the table, fewer people uh, sitting on on tables and then no alcohol served, the banks themselves, you know, wouldn't fund something that's not viable.
2: Absolutely. But, you know, once COVID is
1: through, you know, we need to look at
2: a resuscitation plan post-COVID to reopen those businesses and to reopen those businesses that have closed. You know, being one of the largest um, parts of tourism that creates employment. Yeah, you know, we're going to have a far greater impact of unemployment than what we will do if we save the businesses.
1: Wendy, I'm just going to ask that we take a quick break and also allow people to call in with concerns, particularly those who are running restaurants. I'd love to hear from you if you are running a restaurant and you find yourself really stuck. How difficult it has been? What options are you using at the moment to keep afloat? Or have you had to shut down your doors? 0891-104-207 is the number to dial. Or you can send us a WhatsApp note on 0614-104-107.
0: At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter.
1: We are speaking to the Restaurant Association of South Africa CEO, Wendy Alberts, who is uh, talking to us about a looming one million seat on the street protest that the Restaurant Association is embarking on this coming week. And they've just been talking to us about some of the things that they that would love to see addressed. And uh, and I was saying to you, you know, you can start calling in and, and tell me about your experience, especially if you're running a restaurant. Are you still afloat? Are you still uh, keeping your doors open or are you part of the 70%, which will never open again. And are you finding that the banks are, are you know, are, are working along with you, or is it difficult? 0891-104-207. Wendy, thank you for very much for staying with us. I'm just going to take a call. Naledi's calling us from Fosleras this afternoon. Naledi, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimelo. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Naledi. Go ahead. I
3: am a very concerned South African in this country. Yes. All I hear, Wendy, going in each and every in each and every radio station that is willing to give her a slot. She's just doing a pity party. All these years, these restaurants have been benefiting. And right now, because this is hitting them, I don't hear Wendy talking about the inclusion of these employees on, on their sector. How they are going to include them to change their lives. I'm not, I'm not talking about the peanuts that, that they are paying all these waiters and the cooks and the chefs. I'm talking about the inclusion. In their economy, all these millions that they've been making all these years. I'm talking about them building those employees' houses. I don't hear her talking about that. All she's talking about is how they've been impacted. I don't hear her talking about a fund that they're going to fund all these employees' debts and taking them to school. All I hear is a pity party because they are no longer making all this money that they used to make. So. We want to hear how are they going to include all these employees. Because it is high time that all these industries, instead of making all these noises, they must include the employees. Wendy? And I don't, hear her, I don't hear her talking about a medical fund where all these employees, how they are going to take care of their health. Because they have all these benefits. They can go to any hospital. I don't hear her talking about the employees. I don't hear that. The only thing I hear is a pity party.
1: Wendy, do you want to respond? That's
3: Wendy. Wendy?
2: Yes, thank you. Go ahead. I'm just uh, waiting for the lady to finish mm. saying what she needs to do. Um, I think there's a lot of learning for us within this time, and there's certainly a lot of engagements that need to take place post COVID. For us, the immediate thing now is to save as many jobs as we possibly can, and that's where we are focusing on. You know, we are also reliant. We are a taxpayer. We pay a lot of luxury taxes, and we also need to have these engagements with government where, exactly like the lady says to us, we need to look at post-COVID solutions, and we certainly have a lot of those items outlined as consultations that need to take place with the various divisions of government post
1: the wave. Wendy, you were speaking about the UIF um, members, uh, your members registering the UIF, your, your the employees um, with the UIF. But that's a responsibility that should have been lying, though, with the restaurant owners. Why didn't that happen?
2: Absolutely. You know, one, corporate compliance is a massive element that needs to take place within all businesses. And what we have learned is that there are many parts of the sector who need to practice corporate compliance, and that has been prejudiced, not only the restaurants, um there's informal sectors as well that have had a difficulty in um, not being able to claim from UIS. And it's completely irresponsible of those restaurants that have not paid over UIS. And we've dealt with a large number of staff that have certainly come to us who um, have not had the luxury of being able to claim on UIS. That we've certainly put forward to the department and we've assisted them with the bargaining council and so forth.
1: Let's talk about um, the what What at this point now would you like to see government do. So you're saying that um, you were moved from the letter that you had sent to Minister Patel, uh, returned with a response saying that go to Cocta, um and you've sent that letter there, uh, and you haven't received any response. Apart from the alcohol is- issue, which now is a national issue, what, what else would you like to see happen? I mean, what kind of support would you like to see come through that is sustainable? You know, one, we need to have open lines of communication with government. That is
2: pertinent. We need to be able to talk to them about issues. And as the, um, the caller indicated, one, we need to talk about labour. We need to have functional conversations with the Department of Labour, with UI with FERS. FERS. definitely needs to be continued. And funding really needs to be made available for the staff that have been prejudiced at this time through the closure of many, many restaurants. And that impact is certainly going to rest on
1: government's balance sheet. We well, the, well, well that, then that, 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 doesn't that mean then you should be speaking directly to the Department of Labor?
2: Absolutely. But the conversations go one. Restaurants fall within the Department of Tourism.
1: That is where our mandate
2: rests. Hmm. We need to be having conversations with the Minister of Tourism who, in fact, needs to be having conversations with the different divisions. But because we were in the Disaster Act, we are then referred to having these consultations and conversations with the different parts of Cabinet, which we've been unsuccessful. So we were referred to the told office to talk about the liquor. We've been talking to the UIF. We've been talking to the UIF Commissioner about the UIF and the slow UIF payments. We still haven't had payments from April. And we cannot comprehend how illogical the systems are, that there is still this delay and that we're already now in July as you can well tell. So there is a massive, massive backlog. And yet again, they've changed the cycling the factors on how to apply for June and July first. So we've got that element that we are certainly working on. Then we need to work, obviously, with COCTA in terms of the directive and the restrictions And we need to put our protocols in place to ensure that we can safely operate within the the restrictions. So one of the key parts is originally we had so many people that were on temporary and unpaid layoffs because of the result of only being able to do deliveries, then it was only being able to do takeaways. Then we had the restrictions, obviously, on the liquor where we were able to be a bottle store, but we weren't obviously allowed to to consume alcohol within our restaurants. Then we've been obviously looking at the challenges with all the different
3: parts of
2: cocktail to give us a mitigated risk document and the research that outlines that restaurants are a high-risk area. So when we put our proposal together, we clearly outlined we couldn't go back with the number 50, that we could practice social distancing the same way that they put that mitigated risk on other industries, which allowed us to go in with the one-and-a-half-metre social distancing. And that allowed us to bring further staff back to work. So we've constantly been looking at avenues to reopen our businesses one. To keep our staff employed, to bring income in to pay the expenses, to three save the businesses.
1: Wendy, what what does this protest look like? So, what exactly exactly are you going to be doing um, when when you embark on this protest?
2: Well, the protest really is an uh, an opportunity to bring a u- unified voice to the industry. So, we are really looking at saving jobs, balancing lives and livelihoods, saving businesses, and obviously saving restaurants. And the most important part of this is really it's an opportunity for us to outline to government how diversified and how colorful the industry and really an opportunity to talk to the president himself about the hardship that he keeps referring to and that he has an understanding about you know and um, there is also a massive broader impact that takes place further that's post our industry that rests on suppliers that rests on bottling companies that rests on millions of other jobs that are also at stake as a result
1: of the inability for restaurants to trade so, so as I said, what will it look like? What what, what are you going to be doing?
2: So, one, we are asking everybody who is supporting the protest, one, is that the most important part is that we have to win the hearts and support of both government, patrons and communities. And at no time do we want anybody to put their lives at risk or to operate outside the confine of the law. So we really are looking at ensuring this is a peaceful protest. It is really a manner for us to have our voices heard across the country so it is a national protest. Restaurants will be carrying out their empty tables and chairs onto the streets of uh, their neighbourhoods, of their towns, of their cities, of their dorps, of uh, parking lots, wherever their restaurant is. They have had to consult with the local police station to advise them of the protest. It is certainly not a gathering or a march. We are not uh, operating outside of the um, act, and we can restrict the tables and chairs of any people that are at the protest to no more than 15.
1: All right. Wendy, um, I'm going to just ask that we, we take some calls, but I'm going to just go quickly to the headlines before we do that. Lots of people have got questions and comments on what you've just said. Wendy Alberts is the CEO of the Restaurant Association of South Africa and we'll continue this conversation after the headlines with Utsi Saak. It's
0: 1.30. Pimelo Modine on SFM.
1: Afternoon,
4: when this lady says um, uh, a certain number of jobs are going to be lost, is she referring to South African uh, losing their jobs or she's referring to foreigners losing their jobs because they also want our sympathy but they don't give our brothers and sisters jobs yet they want assistance from us. I think these restaurants they deserve what's coming for them. They deserve it. Hi, Hi, Pemelo. I just need to ask the lady that's uh, representing the uh, restaurant industry. How does one interpret uh, financial losses when uh, the bulk of the, the waiters and, and uh, some of the kitchen staff are on contract labor or dock labor? Thanks, Frank A.P. Marsberg. Hi. Good afternoon, Kathy. I just want to say something. Uh, the restaurants make 400% profit. Okay, now why why are the patrons have to pay the, 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 the waiters, why don't why we give them a tip? Why can't they get a fixed pay like everybody else, like every other business? Why they must depend on tips? Tips are supposed to be an option on the service. Let them get paid by the restaurant owners and by the hotels and everybody else. Good day. Pamela Leslie from Bulogwan. I just want to ask uh, your guest how are they contributing to the job unemployment in this country because if you can check maybe 90% of their staff they are coming from other uh, uh, neighboring countries I'm not trying to be xenophobic but this is the fact these entities are not contributing to the well-being of this country. It's not only the restaurants; even other companies are not contributing to the unemployment of uh, in this country. So, I don't know who is taking to the street. Is it people from other countries who will be uh, blockade? I mean, block bl- blockating the roads and stuff like that. I don't know.
1: All right, Uh, Wendy Albert is the CEO of Restaurant Association of South Africa. Wendy, welcome back. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, I just want you to to, to respond to the voice notes that came through. Absolutely. you know. So firstly, what I would like to say is that everybody who's taken to the streets,
2: um, it's not a gathering, and it is certainly not a march or a strike. It is really a um, protest to highlight the hardship of what's happening in the industry. And that's regardless if you're a restaurant owner, Anybody who's affected by tourism, whether whether you're an employee, whether you're a scholar, whether you're a barman, whether you are a waiter, regardless, if you've suffered hardship at this time, it is really an opportunity for us to outline to government what is happening within our industry and to look at engagements with government to indicate to them the amount of staff that are currently going on retrenchment and that will be unemployed. So we are deeply concerned about the amount of jobs that are currently being lost. And there's no discrimination for us in terms of which jobs are being lost. So it is not relative to whether you're a foreign, whether you have a work permit, whether you are female, male. There's absolutely no discrimination. We're a diverse, colourful industry. We are here to serve all people within the industry and we have to protect everybody's jobs as best as we can. And that is uh, really, I think, on the notion of what's happening with the unemployment part. I think one of the gentlemen was asking about the amount of jobs that are given to foreign nationals. Yes, I think it's very important that there is a survey that is made that needs to be done by tourism, certainly can investigate all these allegations that have been made over the last couple of months as to the industry employing foreign nationals. And then we also need to have a conversation with the Department of Labor as well as um, various other ministers and cabinets. With regards to the board has been opened and people that have got legitimate work permits that are employed in our industry. And we also need to give cognizance of those beautiful people that work in our restaurants.
1: I'm hearing you a bit more reliant on government to do the work that the industry was meant to be doing itself so monitoring of people uh of of some of your 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 members in in ensuring that people are registered with uif that should have been an industry responsibility you don't need government to come in for instance to 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 tell you what is right and what is wrong the regulations are there they should have been adhered for what responsibility is the industry sector going to take in some of these shortcomings Corporate compliance is of the utmost importance to any business. Um, You really have to be,
2: one, legitimate. Two, you have to put the necessary documentation and uh, paperwork in place. And you have a responsibility to take care of the beautiful people that work in your restaurants. And those restaurants that have not displayed this need to be taken to task. And those staff that have not um, had relief need to report into the Department of Labor and they need to come back and advise the industry that we can certainly look at mechanisms that um, relieve this in the future. You know, a lot of a lot of work will still need to be done post-COVID in terms of the relationship and self-regulation that will happen within the industry. And I think COVID is a very good time that highlights the amount of difficulties and further challenges that we've got in terms of self-regulation.
1: Let's go to the calls. John, you're calling, Juan, sorry, you're calling from Kempton Park. Good afternoon. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for calling, yeah, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
0: glad because some of the other colleagues on voicemail have mentioned this. The hospitality industry in South Africa is one of the notorious uh, uh, organisations in South Africa. To be honest, not even some put it at ninety percent, ninety-nine percent of the hospitality industry. is occupied by foreigners. They don't care about the high rate of unemployment. They just break every rule, and other companies are following because they see it happening. It is worse, Wendy. Wendy, I'm appealing on you to look at this. This is very wrong. Our people are unemployed. Hospitality industry is not uh, uh, specializing in one of the scarce uh, 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 skills that South Africa is running short of. It's very bad. And actually, I wanted to support the the hospitality industry by saying, if the taxi... Can load 100%. I would be rather be safe in a hotel than in a taxi. I'll support the government to reopen it, but knowing that if they open it, it's only for renners. Actually, if they close forever, it will be better maybe because they need f- to pack and go, because that's where they find refuge. That's where Wendy and her group are breaking every law. Please, let's go and check. Otherwise, there will be another march to protest against the hospitality industry for employing foreigners in this country.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Joanne. They're calling us from Kempton Park. I'll be back with Wendy in a short while. I've also got safaris and adventures, somebody on the ground, and they're going to be talking to us about their experience as somebody who runs a lodge, um, how they've been affected by the closure and uh, the lockdown uh, regulations that we're seeing around us. So, Wendy, I'll be back with your comments after this.
0: Life happens with Pinelo Modine
1: going to ask my my guests to just wrap it up for us wendy Alberts, the ceo of uh, restaurant association of south africa and wendy i'm sure you can understand where people are coming from and and the sentiment as as you can hear is that sure it's all good and well that you represent more than anything uh, the people who own restaurants but the workers the workers there's an issue with workers and there's just little trust in the industry
2: Absolutely, you know, and I appreciate all the phone calls that have been made today and highlighting that we um, have got challenges. I certainly do, and I I feel for the people and I can hear the passion and the dispassion displayed in their voices and their emotions. And it is a very emotional time for everybody. It's certainly been 20 weeks of massive uncertainty. And I think COVID has certainly been a time that highlights the importance of many factors that need to be addressed and, and sorted out. And we can certainly from the last 20 weeks especially and I can assure you that from our side as the association, as one of the bodies in the industry and many of the restaurants the concern for their staff has been their utmost importance. Trying to keep staff retained and staff employed has honestly been the true director for every single restaurant owner and they have fought long and hard and I can tell you the amount of hours that they've spent trying to get the TERS and their UIFs and yes Like every industry, there are certain restaurants that may not have been compliant. And we will certainly continue to have these engagements. And I think that there is a huge opportunity to self-regulate, to bring a lot more credibility and respect to the jobs. I think that there could possibly be a potential for a framework, for a trade qualification, for the waiters, barmen. I know that there's qualifications for baristas. And there's certainly been some of the chef qualifications that we've worked on over the last couple of years. But there certainly needs to be a lot more formality that comes in and also to educate both the restaurants here as well as the staff of what their legal rights are in terms of being accessibility to having um, the security of having UIS. You know, a lot of waiters and waitresses and full-time staff that are on commission don't have the luxury of having those UIS funds available. Um, and there is there's a lot of work that we need to do, and post-COVID we certainly, with all industries, need to engage in the tourism sector and to look at ways that we resolve these issues that cause less tension between restaurant owner and staff
1: So have you in the meantime, as an association, at least assisted those who find themselves in this very vulnerable position who are not registered with UIF, for instance, and I'm sure to the benefit of their owners, uh, of their employers, um, at least collected that data to see how many of these people there are? And as you said, also a little bit of self-regulation, you know, how many are illegal immigrants and so on?
2: So um we did do a survey, and I mean, contrary to what has been put out there, there's uh, different data that's been collected, and that's why I'm saying the um, department really needs to put this detailed uh, survey out to actually outline and understand where we are within the um, challenge that we've got with the illegal immigrants or the foreign nationals or the work permits that we've got as they so to bring it to everyone's attention.
1: So the, the, second the, part, the, 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 the survey that you've conducted, what does it tell us?
2: That we're certainly not outlining that we are, on the restaurants that are part of the association, their compliance is an, in adherence. They have got the necessary South African versus the foreign legal nationals that are on work permits employed in our sector.
1: What are the numbers, Wendy?
2: I'd have to pull this, but I don't have it on hand, but it was well within the line when we had submitted it to the minister.
1: Wendy Albert, CEO of Restaurant Association of South Africa. She's talking to us uh, ahead of a protest that they're planning, which is going to be taking place sometime this week. It's going to be called a one million seats on the street protest. We'll look forward to that and see uh, how how that um, pans out. Well, when that happens, we will definitely bring it to you.